When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Big Tilt Player Profiler Roto Underworld DFS Podcast. This is the big week nine episode. And as always, we are here to help you win your DFS lineups. Also, please remember, folks, we are sponsored by the great Underdog Fantasy. With the 100% up to $100 instant deposit match, just make sure you go to Underdog Fantasy, go to underdogfantasy.com and enter the code UNDERWORLD for that 100% up to $100 match bonus. And as always, I am joined by Dr. Josh Larkey. Follow him on Twitter at jlarkeytweets. He is the man who told you last week to not be afraid of Justin Fields. Mr. Larkey, I think that worked out pretty well for the listeners. Yeah, Justin Fields... All he did was have over 100 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown, passing touchdown, nearly hit 30 fantasy points. Possibly my best call of the year was Justin Fields' breakout game. So I think I'm just done with hot takes for the rest of this season because it's going to be tough to beat that one. We're here now, week nine. It's a very interesting slate because not a lot of high game totals, a lot of games on the slate, a lot of injuries to juggle. So... It's going to be a good time. Also, before we get started with the week nine slate, just a reminder to everyone that we have our brand new DFS dominator package on playerprofiler.com. You can get our tournament optimizer, our cash game optimizer, our upside and value finders, where you can look at based on FanDuel and DraftKings salaries, the types of values and upside that you're getting with our projections and also the upside finder. Those are not our base projections. Those are going to be our 85th percentile projections, which is kind of like a one in six, one in seven type chance that a player is going to hit that type of outcome because some other sites, they might give you, Oh, here's the, this is the real ceiling outcome of 9,500% outcome. And you look at that and you go, well, 45 fantasy points, plugging that into my optimizer or, just trying to process 45 fantasy points. That's probably not very helpful. And that we're giving you realistic ceiling projections for players that they might hit every six weeks or so. So that's in the upside finder. And then you also, if you're playing on underdog fantasy and you want those over under pick them lines, you get access to my 10 favorite lines each week in our DFS package. We have a little section where I post those lines. That way you can get in make some money on underdog each week before the lines disappear. So a lot of good stuff on the DFS dominator package back to you, Mike. (laughs) 
Absolutely. And we'll dive right into it, folks. A lot of interesting games this week, matchup issues, but opportunities that we see DFS value. Let's start Minnesota at Baltimore. People are uncertain on how to play this game. Vikings have been real disappointing. Baltimore, you're unsure of the consistency on offense. They had big games, but they lost to Cincinnati at home. Baltimore, favored by six points at home, 50-point over-under. Rashad Bateman likely to play. We love Rashad Bateman here, player profiler. Watkins also has a chance to play. I don't know, Josh, if that affects you at all. And Latavius looks doubtful. So talk to me here. Vikings-Ravens, one of the few games with a 50-point over-under. Where are you at on this game? So this game's actually really interesting because, like you said, it's going to be very high-scoring. And what's weird is that, not that it's prohibitive by any means, but it's definitely much more expensive to play this game and to stack this game on FanDuel than on DraftKings. So if we focus a little bit more on DraftKings for this game, there's a ton to like, and we have a lot of salary remaining to go out and throw in other studs that we like into our lineup from other games. So if you're wondering, what does that mean? Here's a few good players from this game. First off, Lamar Jackson on DraftKings, he's only 7,300. The fifth most expensive quarterback on the slate, which is just a total steal for one of, if not the hottest quarterbacks in fantasy right now, playing against a mediocre defense in a high game total for the week. So Lamar Jackson right there, total steal. Hollywood Brown, 6,000 on DraftKings. Another very solid price. Andrews, 5,500, a good price. But then Rashad Bateman down at 4,000. And that you can double stack Lamar if you want to so easily by going Hollywood Bateman or Andrews Bateman, still having salary left over to work with. Then on the Vikings end, Kirk Cousins, very affordable, 6,200. We've got Dalvin Cook, who looks just totally mispriced at 7,700. Apparently, the the Dalvin Cook of the past is no more because he's had a couple average games for himself. So apparently, there is no more 30-point upside to Dalvin Cook according to his price. I just don't believe that. So I'm going to be playing a lot of Dalvin Cook, especially on DraftKings. And then Jefferson and Thielen, both kind of in that 6,900 to 7,500 range, which is doable. And then we also have Tyler Conklin. And Conklin's only 3K on DraftKings, which is just a nice little gift right there. You're looking to save some salary. You want a guy that's been able to get seven targets in multiple games this year. Tyler Conklin's your guy. So I really like Lamar either single or double stacked. You can run it back with Dalvin Cook to keep it simple. You can just toss Tyler Conklin in with a Lamar stack if you're not putting Andrews in there. And then with Cousins, I think you just double stack him. You choose Jefferson or Thielen, and then you just toss in a Tyler Conklin if you feel like it. I think that right there, you can get a lot of inexpensive access to what very well could be the best game on the slate. Two points I want to bring up here. The only difference between Justin Jefferson last year and this year has been in the big play. Completed air yards last year per the player profiler site, of course, fourth among all wide receivers, 7.6 per target. This year, he has just not gotten there. Only 5.7 per target. He's 23rd among all wide receivers. But that to me, Josh, means that there's a good chance for some positive regression and some big plays with Jefferson. Also, you brought up Conklin. I think it's critical. Baltimore 
second most schedule adjusted fantasy points to the tight end position. And Conklin's price is so low, he doesn't have to have a ton of production to get there. So what you have is a tight end that is getting volume going against a team with other weapons who will pro- who does not defend that position very well. And he has a chance to really be a nice play here at the tight end position. Yeah, we've even seen Conklin earlier this year. He had a 20 fantasy point game. You just, it's very difficult to find a a $3,000 tight end who's the past two weeks has gotten five and seven targets, has a 20 point game on his resume already, is on an offense that we think can be good and can put up fantasy points, playing against another really good offense in the Ravens. So this is my favorite game this week. New England at Carolina. Patriots now favored by the hook, three and a half. Low game total, 41 points here. It is still unknown who the quarterback's going to be for Carolina. P.J. Walker is preparing. People are fired up about that XFL accomplishment, but he's going against Belichick. I think it's going to be a different story. Terrence Marshall should be back. Christian McCaffrey might play, we're hearing, Josh, but he could be on a count or he could be limited. Just an absolute disaster. Reminds me of my father, Josh, who's like the American Pie father, who whenever he was giving me a life lesson growing up, he would say may or may not because he just would sit on the fence. I hate the may or may not. Christian McCaffrey may or may not play. What do we do with this here in New England, Carolina? I think this is just a good game to mostly fade. There's not too much excitement here. I think if McCaffrey doesn't play, you can play Chuba Hubbard. I've just been a big advocate of his this entire time that McCaffrey's been out because the role has been pretty good. I talked about him on first mover a little bit that if McCaffrey doesn't play, Chuba the past four games without McCaffrey, he's getting about 19 carries a game, four targets a game. And for some reason, he's just never priced up and he's always kind of in the $6,000 range. So he's just always really affordable. So I think Chuba's just an every week play. I think you can go back to DJ Moore. His price has dropped a little bit on both platforms, but I just don't think it's the the total smash play like we thought it might be earlier on in the season. And then on the Patriots end, uh, you could play Damian Harris, Jacoby is Myers. Jacoby Myers going to catch a touchdown? Is he going to do it, Josh? When is he going to do it? He, one of these games, he's going to do it. So I think you can... You, especially on DraftKings where it's PPR, you can play some Jacoby Myers. But overall, it's not a game that I'm particularly interested in stacking. The Panthers side, I really just have no interest. And then on the Patriots side, I I guess you could do a little Mac Jones stacking if you want to. But I just think that we have better options on this slate. So it, it's a game where I might have a couple one-off players in it in my in my lineups every now and then. But I don't believe that Mac Jones... Darnold or PJ Walker is going to be in my quarterback pool when I'm making my lineups. Yeah, I don't see it either. Uh, just not not the right week, not the right matchup. Next up, Denver at Dallas. Intriguing one here, 49 and a half points. So again, one of our only couple games that are in that high 40, low 50 range. Cowboys, big favorite here, 10 points. Dak will be back, which means good things. If you look at his splits since last year, before he got injured with the Giants, I mean, he just always puts up points when he's out there. Gallup is still going to be out, which keeps the target share at the wide receiver position consolidated. Noah Fant out due to COVID for the Broncos, which brings into play one of my favorite names to say, Albert Okuebunup. This is a good game because Dak is back, so we're going to have what should be a very high-powered Cowboys offense. I think everyone kind of got a sense of just how good this offense is, 
how good the offensive line is, how elite all these skilled players are when Cooper Rush puts on a show. And Cooper Rush is not a very good backup quarterback. He didn't really have much of a resume at all. It's not like uh, some kind. Of, it's not like an Andy Dalton or a Joe Flacco where he comes in. You go, oh, you know what? I remember. He used to be good. He has ten years of starting experience. This makes sense. No, no. no. Cooper Rush comes out of nowhere, puts up a game, supports both Cooper and Lamb, and helps them hit their fantasy ceilings. It was fun to watch. But with Dak back, I mean, if you liked what happened last week with Cooper and Lamb, you're gonna love what can happen this week. And I think what's nice is for the first time uh, in weeks, you can actually double stack Dak Prescott with both CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper on DraftKings if you want to. Because for some reason, CeeDee Lamb, 7,200 on DraftKings, but Amari Cooper is down at 5,700. And he's going to be really chalky. Everyone's going to want to play some 5,700 Amari Cooper. How do you get different? You can just toss in a CD Lamb or toss in a Schultz and double stack. There's going to be so many Dak Amari Cooper single stacks out on out there just in the world this Sunday. If you want to get different, I would just throw in Lamb or Schultz. And I think that that's a really strong lineup right there. I mean, if Cooper Rush can get himself, Lamb and Cooper there, I'm pretty sure Dak can as well. And it does seem, especially with Amari Cooper, that the 5,700 salary, they kind of baked in that Cooper Rush was the quarterback this week. So that's just a nice little gift that we can finally do that that double stack that we've been wanting to do. And it was just kind of price prohibitive. If you don't want Dak as your quarterback, but you want access to this game, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott just well-priced on both sides, 7,000 DraftKings, 8,200. Only 7,000. I love it. I love it. And I talked about this in a, a Twitter thread that I threw up on Tuesday night. Pollard just didn't really play much this past game and that Pollard's actually been trending down in his usage and that we had that big week two from Pollard and people thought, oh my goodness, it's a full committee. Well, not so fast. Zeke severely outtouched him just Overall, significantly more carries than Pollard last week. But the big one was that Zeke was running four times as many routes as Pollard. And that was kind of one of the issues with Pollard is potentially that if he's stealing a lot of Zeke's routes, that can be really bad because now suddenly Zeke becomes touchdown dependent. No, no, no. Zeke is running more routes than almost every other running back in the NFL. And he's getting 15 carries a game on an elite offense. So I think that he's just a great play if you don't want to do a Dak stack and you want access to this game. And then on the other end, the Cowboys, yes, in real life, it's a good defense. Significantly better than uh, their defense last year, which was one of the worst defenses that I've ever seen in my in my time watching football. But now the, the Cowboys defense is good. However, quarterbacks, receivers still do well against the Cowboys defense in fantasy because the Cowboys are so incredibly fast-paced. They're one of the, the three to four fastest teams. They're running so many plays. They're on pace for like 1,150 rush and pass attempts combined, which is pretty much unheard of. So I really like the idea of Teddy Bridgewater in comeback mode, trying to keep up. And when he's only 5,300 on DraftKings, it's pretty easy to fit in Bridgewater. You can 
double stack him with Sutton, Judy, and Albert O. Just kind of take your pick of two of those. I think my favorite would be either Sutton or Judy with Albert O. I just always really like the wide receiver tight ends double stack because when you pay up for two receivers, there can be some negative correlation game to game where when one has a big game, it can often be hard for the other to have a big game when they're both kind of expensive. But when Albert O is just sitting there at 2,600 and 4,500, depending on the platform, very easy to just sneak in that Teddy double stack. And then you can always do a double run back too. throw Zeke and your favorite Dallas pass catcher in there. And that the reason Teddy got there and Dak didn't is Zeke had a couple touchdowns and then Dak only supported one receiver. And now you get that receiver with Zeke, Teddy and a double stack. I don't believe the, the Broncos running backs are super viable this week or any week. We just haven't really seen any type of realistic ceiling. Their workloads are just so even. So even though Melvin Gordon, Javante, both uh, quote unquote good prices, and that if you're just strictly from a value perspective for a base projection, you go, oh yeah, they're an okay value. I think the issue with them in tournaments is it's just really difficult to see them hitting over 20 fantasy points in a game. And that one of them would either have to get injured during the game. One of them would have to get both touchdowns and a good amount of receiving work. So I think it's just a really thin play with those Broncos running backs, which I think helps you. If you can just take out two players that other lineups are going to have, I think that makes it easier on you. So if you had to trim the fat in this game, I would start with the Broncos running backs. What about Jerry Judy at wide receiver? Took a 70.7% snap share, 20 routes last week. You comfortable? Because his price is suppressed here much lower than Cortland Sutton. Yeah, I think Judy's very viable, especially on FanDuel. So here's the discrepancy. 5,900 for Sutton on DraftKings, 5,000 for Judy, so 900 there. Also 900 on FanDuel, but the Judy price proportionally is so low. So FanDuel, 6,700 Sutton, 5,800 Judy. Judy's kind of in the scraps territory. Anytime you have a receiver below 6K on FanDuel, they're dirt cheap for that platform. So I think Judy's just a really good play on both of them. I do expect him to have the full workload this game since he did get about 70% of the snaps in his first game back. So I think if I had a preference, just based on salary, it's probably Judy. Still think Sutton has the the higher overall ceiling, but I think I'll probably end up having a little bit more Judy than Sutton when all is said and done this week. Next game, shout out to the great late Sam Weiss. You don't live in Cleveland, you live in Cincinnati. The Browns travel to the Bengals here. Big rivalry game, 47 points. Bengals favored by two and a half. OBJ is gone. He's not going to be playing in this game. I don't know where he's going to go. Donovan Peoples-Jones is likely back. Interesting game here. Browns have not been great against the pass. Bengals are picking up the pace. They were very slow, Josh, early in the year when Joe Burrow was trying to get acclimated back from the injury. Joe Mixon looks completely healthy. Nick Chubb is back. I don't know the status of Kareem Hunt, but real interesting game here. Browns-Bengals. Rivalry game, big game here to determine what's going to go on in that AFC North. So one thing that I think we've started to realize this year is that Baker Mayfield is just He's a tough play in DFS. You probably don't want to be doing a lot of Brown stacks. I think on the Browns, uh, Landry's kind of interesting just because there's no Odell Beckham. Maybe he could be in a high volume role. However, I really like Chubb here just because the price is still under 7,000 on DraftKings. And then 
on FanDuel. Chubb still reasonably affordable, 7,600. So he's still under 8,000 on FanDuel as well. He didn't have the best role last week. I One thing I noticed was that he was actually third in routes run among the, the quote-unquote running back core behind both Dearness Johnson and Demetric Felton. He only had one target. Very concerning when he's running under 10 routes. However, there's no Odell Beckham now, and this is week two of Chubb post-injury. So he's probably in just the Chubb role, which is just not the best for DFS. However, I do think there's a chance that they expand his role just with all the moving parts with him now fully healthy, fully practicing this week. So I think it's worth going back to him one more time when nobody's going to be playing Chubb and we, there is that that slight tinge of uncertainty with his role, but mainly I like the Bengals side here. Not really a game that I'm necessarily going to be aggressively targeting, but I do think that the, the Burrow stacks are going to be good here. And I think that you can also do just some Joe Mixon in your lineup scattered throughout. We've seen the pass game role expand for Mixon, and that's really the, the key for a lot of these running backs. And unlocking 25 to 30 fantasy point games is... If you can take 15 to 20 carries, get the goal line work, and have three to six targets like Mixon's shown the past couple weeks, that's really where you can become the the tournament winning type running back. But I think my favorite way to play this game would probably just keep it simple. Joe Burrow with Chase, and then probably run it back with Chubb or Jarvis Landry. I think I'd keep it pretty simple in this one. T Higgins, those routes and those and that snap share is just tantalizing to me, Josh. I just feel like he's going to pop at some point, and if it would not surprise me if he hits this week. Next up, the biggest spread we have: Buffalo at Jacksonville. Bills favored by fourteen and a half over Urban Myers Jaguars. Over unders forty eight and a half. That's solid. We'd like to see the biggest question. I think which you'll answer for everyone. James Robinson. Should we expect him? Dawson Knox also out. But hey, when you have Tommy Sweeney, does it really matter? So James Robinson's an interesting one. It seemed like potentially a serious injury initially. Turns out he's limited in practice, and now he might actually suit up. I hope he suits up because it definitely seems like he's a pretty key part of this offense. And not not that I'm a not that I'm turning to one of those like oh the running back's most important position on the football field, but I mean it is a steep downgrade from James Robinson to Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde is not one of those backup running backs where you say, oh, it's just so plug and play. You won't even notice the difference. I think we would notice the difference between James Robinson and Carlos Hyde. So I hope Robinson plays, but at least on the Buffalo end, we know that they're one of the three to four most fast paced teams in the NFL. We know they're one of the three to four most pass heavy teams in the NFL, which is just wonderful for DFS. So I think just like every week, another good week to double stack Josh Allen. Cross your fingers that you got the two of them correct. Like we, what you said about Sweeney, he actually had mostly the Dawson Knox role. He had four targets. I think he went three for 30. So I think Sweeney, Sweeney's definitely viable. Prefer him on DraftKings just because some of these punt tight ends, when we think that they're going to be able to get four, five, six targets, if you can just rack up six to 10 PPR points, that's not going to hurt your lineup. So 3,100 DraftKings, 4,700 FanDuel. FanDuel, you really need him to get a touchdown. But DraftKings, I guess if he goes three for 30 like he did last week, six points won't hurt your team when he's 3,100. 
I think my favorite way though to to stack this game is I would go Allen with Beasley and Sanders. I still just like where Beasley and Sanders are at. They're just a good price for a double stack where you just have two $5,000 receivers on DraftKings or you could do two five or $6,000 receivers on FanDuel. You have enough salary remaining to make sure that you don't have total duds at your other positions. And we just haven't seen Diggs operating quite as extremely with the usage as he did last year. And it's not that you can't play Diggs. I think Diggs is a fine play, but with Diggs, it gets expensive when you're double stacking with him and that you can do Diggs, Beasley, Diggs, Sanders. But I think once Diggs is in play, you're probably trying to look at Gabe Davis or Sweeney and just hoping that there's a touchdown there. I also think Zach Moss still viable. He's the clear running back to play in DFS and in season leagues. Devin Singletary's role is just not very good. He's not running the routes. He's not getting as many carries. He doesn't get the goal line carries. Devin Singletary is essentially a between the twenties grinder who's slow and undersized. Not very attra- undersized between the twenties grinder. Yeah. Is there anything worse than that? It, it's basically, it's just Philip Lindsay. It's why I haven't really <laughs> been interested in playing Philip Lindsay ever the last two and a half seasons, even though some people are like, oh, he could recapture the magic. Well, the problem with Philip Lindsay is that what he's been the last two years is an undersized between the tackles grinder who doesn't get goal line work. He's not active in the passing game. You can't play Singletary. Moss, on the other hand, you can definitely play him. He's actually averaging a pretty healthy amount of fantasy points a game. It's because he's the goal line back on an elite offense. And then on the Jacksonville side, I've just, I swear I'm a, I'm a masochist. I'm going to probably play some Trevor Lawrence again. It's just so hard to quit a talented quarterback whose price just never moves 5,400 on DraftKings, 6,400 on FanDuel. We know he's mobile. We know he's talented and it's a very condensed target tree, which is nice. It's just Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, barely. Jamal Agnew and Dan Arnold. Jamal Agnew, I actually think is a good DFS play this week. 4,300 on DraftKings, 5,200 on FanDuel. If you liked playing Chenault in the 4K range, like I have the last few weeks, well, Agnew basically just took on the Chenault role. I know he's not as big as Chenault. It's not necessarily a sexy play. However, Jamal Agnew's an elite special teamer. He's incredible with the ball in his hands. And... I mean, I may disagree with it. I think Chenault should be more of a focal point of that offense. But if Agnew's going to be getting eight targets a game and he has home run speed, sub 4-4 wheels, going to be playing some Agnew. So I think he's kind of a sneaky way to either run back your Allen lineup or if you want to stack Lawrence. And if you want to stack Lawrence cheaply and have Diggs on the run back, you could just go Trevor Lawrence, Jamal Agnew, Dan Arnold. You're spending no money and you're probably going to get 15 targets from Trevor Lawrence. Hard to do much better than that when no one's going to play that type of lineup. So that's probably where I'm going to get the most contrarian this week is with some of those Lawrence lineups. I have never been more excited to pick up Dan Arnold in my life than I was in Scott Fishbowl. I mean, with the scoring system and his opportunity now, I mean, last three weeks, 82% snap share, 58 against Miami, and 72% against Seattle. Dan Arnold, folks, you may not like him, but he is an integral part of your Sunday plays, whether it's seasonal or DFS. 
Houston goes to Miami. Over-under is a solid 46. Miami somehow, despite being 1-7, Josh, favored by 5.5 points. Tyrod is back. To me, that puts dollar signs in front of my eyes for DFS. Devontae Parker is not. He's going to the IR. Farrell Brown is out again. And as we talked before we went live here, Texans tight ends. Is that the secret sauce this week? So this Houston-Miami game, yeah, you said at the beginning, how was Miami favored by almost a touchdown? When Tyrod Taylor's playing, Miami's just looked dreadful. Now they've lost Devontae Parker. Their defense is still totally banged up. A little bit of a head-scratcher. I really like both sides of this game. I think this is kind of the the gross game of the week that I'm going to be playing. Tyrod is just, oh, he's so cheap on DraftKings. 5,000 just opens up this entire world for you when you can play a mobile quarterback at 5K. And let's talk about the tight ends. Jordan Akins and Brevin Jordan, I think you can play both of them this week. I lean Akins, but Pharaoh Brown is out. You might not know who that is. It doesn't matter. He was getting a ton of snaps at tight end for them. He has he didn't play last week. He's not going to play this week. Last week, with Akins and Brevin Jordan as the tight ends. And remember, catching passes from Davis Mills, who is not as good of a quarterback as Tyrod Taylor. Akins, 65% snap share, a whopping 26 routes, five targets, five catches, 53 yards. He's 2,700 on DraftKings and just put up over 10 fantasy points in what looks like a sustainable way. 26 routes, five targets. Brevin Jordan, I think he's kind of the wild card where... How much work is he going to get in this next week? He's a day three rookie, but fairly athletic, decent producer in college. Only played 24% of the snaps this past week. Still managed to run 10 routes. So they pretty much just had him out on the field to run routes. This guy's not blocking with that snap share to routes run ratio. Four targets, three catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. So he was on the field in the red zone. And I think they're both viable. Brevin Jordan's the minimum, 2,500 on DraftKings, 4,600 FanDuel. Aikens, 2,700 DraftKings, 4,800 FanDuel. I think just because it's a lower scoring offense overall, and especially with Aikens, we're really just banking on a ton of routes run, really feels like the, the savvy DraftKings play here. And on DraftKings, you could go Tyrod at 5K, Cooks at 6,100, and Jordan Aikens at 2,700. Lock down. 15 to 20 targets in that Texans passing game. Really inexpensive way to do that. And then what's nice about the, the the Parker injury is that it just makes it easier to figure out who to play on Miami. It's basically just Waddle and Gesicki. And if you want, you can roll the dice with Gaskin. So I really like the Tyrod stacks, running it back with Waddle or Gesicki most likely, or Tua. I think you can just double stack Tua with Waddle and Gesicki because... Even with Parker, they have both had healthy roles. And in those games where Parker's out, you're basically just looking at 8 to 12 targets for Waddle and 8 to 12 targets for Gesicki. So you can just get this outrageous volume at really inexpensive costs because they're all kind of priced like Devontae Parker is there soaking up a 20 to 25% target share. So I think this is just a great game to play because people don't like Houston. People don't like Miami. Everyone's inexpensive. And it's a good way to sneak in a few of the studs from other games. Yeah, second the easy play here, folks. Houston, most schedule-adjusted fantasy points to opposing tight ends, 18.4 PPR points. And then wide receivers on the flip side with Brandon Cooks, 
Miami has been lethal. The defense has been non-existent. Third most fantasy points, schedule adjusted fantasy points, opposing wide receivers. That is just being beaten by Tennessee and Washington. So Miami, Houston, very, very sneaky stacking possibilities. Hard to figure out this one, Josh. Falcons at Saints. Saints, it's now down to six. It did get up to six and a half. Looks like it's going to be Trevor Simeon, not Taysom Hill to start this game. At least I'm sure it'll be worked in. Calvin Ridley on IR, over under very low, 41 and a half. Where's the value here? So I don't think you can play Trevor Simeon. From what, so I thought Taysom Hill was going to be the starter, as a lot of us did. He's practicing fully after his concussion. However, very concerning for fantasy. The, the presser was that Trevor Simeon's the starter, but Taysom Hill will get opportunities as well, which sounds to me like Trevor Simeon's going to get the yards and Taysom Hill's going to get the goal line packages. Kiss of death. Which is yep. just, it renders them both unplayable. Not that we were ever playing Simeon to begin with, but there was hope that if Taysom was the full starter that you're getting the, the $5,500 Konami quarterback. Not going to happen. So right there, there's it's just really hard to get excited about any Saints players, honestly. I mean, Kamara's like 8,200 on DraftKings, 9,400 on FanDuel. Really hard for you to convince me why he's a good play on either platform or how he's... Especially a- when Taysom Hill has gotten in there. Kamara did nothing last year. Minimal. I, I mean, I get it. It's going to be Simeon, but near the goal line, I think that really stifles his value. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's going to be really tough for... Kamara to get both targets and goal line opportunities in this one. Don't really love any of these Saints receivers. And then on the Falcons end, I, I guess you can do some some Matt Ryan stacks, but it's a little bit sad without Ridley. We're looking at Kyle Pitts getting locked up with Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, maybe Russell Gage will not lay a donut this week like he did last week. There's Cordell Patterson, who I still think is an every week starter for DFS. You can just throw him in your lineup. But this really, it's just a low game total. It's a really strong Saints defense with probably a really weak Saints offense. And that's just the the worst possible combination. So it doesn't really matter that the Falcons offense is okay and their defense is bad. When we know that the Saints are really run heavy, really slow paced, really good defense. Just not a game environment that's conducive for DFS. Well, at our company meeting earlier today, we loved Vegas at the Giants. A lot of options here. Matt specifically mentioned the Raiders defense going to the Meadowlands. 46.5 point over under. Giants getting 3.5 as the home uh, dog. Saquon, Sterling Shepard, Dante Pettis are out. Slayton and Kandarius. Tony will play. Tony's been automatic. Galladay is questionable. What else is new? Talk to us here about the Raiders coming east to play the Giants favorite against a giant team that can turn the ball over, but has scored at times this year and put up some big points. I really like this game because Daniel Jones has just been a favorite of mine for GPPs this year because he's never getting you a middling score. He's either getting you 20 plus fantasy points or he's getting you under 10. And that's kind of what we like for GPPs. We're just swinging for the fences to see what happens. Is is Daniel Jones going to have a good game, bad game? Who knows? We'll just let the cards fall. Probably not likely that he has a good game in this one because the Raiders defense has been really good. They've gotten a ton of pressure on the quarterback this year without having to blitz a lot of guys. Uh, Max Crosby's just been an animal on the Raiders defense. But I still think Daniel Jones is very viable. It's nice. There's not that many guys to worry about. Galladay is supposedly questionable. It, I don't think he's going to play. 
especially when they have a week 10 buy. There is just no incentive when you've locked this guy up to a huge contract with a lot of guaranteed money. Why are you forcing it the week before the buy? So I don't expect Galladay to play. It makes it easy with Jones. Got Slayton, got Tony, Engram. I think Slayton and Engram are just always going to be kind of gross. I really like Tony. I also think Booker, he's just in kind of this nice role. He got six targets this past week. So I think you could go Jones, Booker, Tony. I think it's kind of a fun way to stack this one. And then you can always run it back with one or two Raiders because uh, the Raiders, their target tree, their overall offense got condensed, not necessarily by choice, but uh, we all know what happened with Henry Ruggs. Made a horrible, uh, made a horrible decision, probably never playing in the NFL again. And at least for this year with the Raiders, that now means that the the pass-catching trio of Darren Waller, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro, they're all most likely going to see some type of usage uptick. So, Don't you feel, Waller, it's coming? Uh, it's just been so long, Josh. I mean, he started week one with all those targets. Was it 19 targets? And and I just, you know, now that, that Ruggs is not part of it, the the, the passing game tree has, has been narrowed. I don't know. I just think it, it's, it's Waller is coming in a lot of ways. Yes. I, I think you just have to stay patient with him because if he puts up 32 fantasy points and outscores every tight end by 10 fantasy points, no one's going to be surprised. Play. You'd be surprised if pretty much anyone did that aside from Waller or Kelsey. There's just no one that has the ceiling of Waller and Kelsey aside from Waller and Kelsey for the most part. So I agree. It's a good week to, to play some Waller. We just don't know what's going to happen with this Raiders offense without rugs. And I think that's why this is really the week to play it. Is it, we could see Renfro Edwards at Waller. We could see two of those three have huge games. And then the secrets out, their prices rise. Everyone plays them in DFS because they go, oh my goodness, look how consolidated. But we don't know if that's going to happen yet. And with that uncertainty, they're not, the Raiders side of this won't be played as much as it should. So I really like the idea of a car double stack and you just pick two of Renfro, Edwards, and Waller, run it back with Booker or Tony for the most part. Or if you're going on the Daniel Jones end, then I just think you either run it back with Jacobs, a single Raiders pass catcher, or Jacobs with a Raiders pass catcher. Because Jacobs has actually had a pretty good role. He's getting more targets this year, starting to run more routes. And I think that the, the big game could potentially come for Jacobs. All of his games this year have kind of been between 10 to 15, 10 to 16 fantasy points. But the actual usage suggests that he does have over 20 fantasy point games in his future at some point. So I just really like this game as a way to get off uh, some of the other games that are probably going to be popular, but kind of, I think, probably less exciting, like Green Bay, Kansas City. I still think that's going to be popular, even with the the Rodgers news. So if you want to find a way to get different, play one of those later games. I think the the best late game to play in terms of how much people are going to play it along with the upside of it would be this Vegas Giants game. The game that popped off the slate to me, Chargers at Eagles, 49 and a half point game total. Again, close to 50. Eagles getting two points at home. Justin Jackson is out. Jalen Rager pulling a Paul Pierce, folks, after being carted <laughs> off. Looks like he could play. So many different ways to go. Only thing I'll mention before I kick it to you, Mike Williams you go to the player profiler site and you look up target separation. Mike Williams is 52nd among all wideouts in target separation, 1.56 yards. However, 
against zone, he dominates. What do the Eagles play? Mostly zone defense back there in the secondary with the split safety. So I think it's the Mike Williams explosion this week. A little recency bias. People have forgotten about him. Jalen Hurts, of course, and all the Eagles options, running backs. You know, it's like a Rolodex back there. But give me the breakdown here. Chargers, Eagles in a game I think is going to be critical to your big tournament plays. Every week's Justin Herbert week. Semi-mobile yep. quarterback, very talented, just like Mike Williams. He's also coming off back-to-back bad games, plus the bye week mixed in. So at this point, we we haven't seen Herbert or Williams do anything in almost four weeks. And that's actually a really short amount of time. It's only been two games played in there. It's a tiny sample size. So th- this really is a great week to play some Herbert. It's nice to be able to play some Mike Williams. You can... Obviously play Keenan Allen any week with how many targets he seems to get. Jared Cook is just always viable. I don't know why his price never goes up. We know that he has 20-point upside. So to keep him in the 3K range on DraftKings and then always in the low fives on FanDuel, he's always a a must-play with some of your Herbert lineups. The one guy I'm less excited about, I think on DraftKings it's okay. You can play Eckler at 7,900, but... I think you have to squint really, really hard to understand how $9,000 on FanDuel Austin Eckler is a good play. It's half PPR, 9K. Just really difficult for you to convince me that Eckler should be in that Delvin Cook salary range in a half PPR format. Now, on the the Eagles side, I really like Hurts. Uh, Devonta Smith eventually is going to have another big game. The targets have been there. Same with Goddard. Goddard hasn't quite had the huge game since Ertz left, but the volume's there. The receiving yards have been there. So I think Hurts, the the best double stack would be Smith and Goddard, or you can just choose Smith or Goddard, run it back with Eckler, Allen, Williams, and then just a little something on the Eagles' backfield because I think everyone has just decided you, you can't play Kenny Gainwell. I mean, didn't you see? He had one carry before the end of the fourth quarter when they gave him 12 carries in full garbage time, they were blowing out the Lions. So Gainwell, one carry in three and a half quarters. Boston Scott and Jordan Howard both had two touchdowns rushing in that game. Each four rushing touchdowns in the running back room, none to Gainwell. So why should we play Gainwell this week? Well, when Miles Sanders was healthy, Kenny Gainwell was a very, very involved backup running back. Were you surprised? Was I surprised that Gainwell wasn't the starter and that it was the Boston Scott Jordan Howard committee? Yes, I was incredibly surprised. I didn't see it coming. Do I think that this is just for sure how this week is going to be because we had one surprising week? Am I just so convinced now that Boston Scott and Jordan Howard are going to split all the valuable touches and Gainwell is going to get scraps? No. In a vacuum, Gainwell's by far the best player out of those three. It's why he was the direct backup to Miles Sanders. So I think it's a good week to play some Gainwell. 5,000 DraftKings, 5,200 FanDuel. He's just so affordable. And I, I really don't think anything's changed regarding Gainwell's ceiling outcome in this week. And that, yes, maybe it's less likely he hits his ceiling. However, if we're building high volatility tournament lineups, there is nothing that has made me think Gainwell doesn't have a 20 fantasy point ceiling. I mean, if anything, we saw Boston Scott and Jordan Howard get there. Of course, Gainwell can get there then. What are are we thinking about? So 
I'm not that I'm going to be playing a ton of game well, but I don't think you should totally write him off. I think he's a very unique run back option with a Herbert lineup where no one's really going to play game. Well, they've everyone's decided he's the, the third running back there now. And I just don't buy it after one week. So I think he's the, the sneaky play in this game. We've saved the two biggest games for last. First, no Aaron Rodgers, but Green Bay at Kansas City. Boy, Josh, I have never seen one player move the line as much as he did. This one from Kansas City minus one to Kansas City minus seven in a nanosecond. Totals 48 points. Jordan Love is in for Green Bay. Tremendous value. of a funny stat about him in comparison to another player. Adams, Zizard, MVS should all be back. And, of course, you have the Chiefs options who have been suppressed here and are itching to start producing again against a substandard Packers defense. Green Bay, Kansas City, game of the day. Where are we going in DFS? So you can always play Mahomes. I hope that fewer people play Mahomes this week because they've decided that uh, there's some kind of narrative. He's not going to football. He can't win anymore. I don't know what it is. All I know is that the Chiefs are fast-paced and they're still throwing a lot. And Mahomes has still put up a lot of fantasy points in almost every game this year. So I really like Mahomes with Hill or Mahomes with Kelsey. Just take your pick. If you want to double stack him, Hardman is just, I, I still can't believe I keep touting Mikko Hardman, but the role is pretty I good. Know. I can't quit him either. 3,900 on DraftKings, 5,400 on FanDuel. I mean, it's one thing if he's in the mid 4,000s like he sometimes is, but here's the past four weeks, 12, 5, 5, and 7 targets from Patrick Mahomes. He's out there. He's running some routes. The targets are there every single week. And when he's sub 4K on DraftKings and a notch above 5K on FanDuel, I'm going to work Hardman into some double stacks with either Hill or Kelsey. Then on the, the Packer side, here's the funny stat. So Jordan Love is all the way down. You have to scrape the bottom of the barrel to even find him. Jordan Love is 4,400 on DraftKings. More expensive, but still affordable-ish, 6000 on FanDuel. But on DraftKings, Jordan Love, 4400 Randall Cobb, 4500 It is very funny to me that mid-30s Randall Cobb is currently the wide receiver four in the Packers offense Crazy. with a more expensive salary than the Packers starting quarterback. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. So that was just, it caught my eye. Crazy. Made me chuckle. Lazard, same thing. Is he the number three? Is he maybe maybe you think Cobb is the number four or the number three and Lazard's the number four? Lazard also more expensive. Lazard forty six hundred. I don't think Lazard or Cobb are playable at their salaries. I even don't think Devonte Adams is necessarily all that playable. Devonte Adams his his base projection is still okay. I don't think he's too hurt in terms of his kind of average outcome. But I think what Jordan Love really does is squashes the Adams ceiling. And that, yes, Devontae Adams could pretty easily have 20 fantasy points. But when you're 8,200 on DraftKings and 9,000 on FanDuel, we're looking for the 35 to 40 fantasy point week out of Adams. I don't think that can happen with Love. I think if you're playing Love in DFS because he's 4,400, I think the best option would be either you just leave him naked and just heavily correlate the rest of your lineup, or we throw him in with MVS, who looks like the the clear number two option whenever he's played this year. He flashed last year in a lot of games, and he's very boomer bust, which is kind of what we're looking for. MVS could break a long one. It's a terrible Chiefs secondary. 3,700 on DraftKings, 5,300 on FanDuel. 
I, I don't think there's any reason that Lazard and Cobb should be more expensive than MVS. MVS, for me, projects significantly better than both Cobb and Lazard. And to get him at uh, 1000 plus cheaper than the other two just seems like free money to me. So I think the love MVS is kind of the farthest that I'm going with these love stacks. And then I think Aaron Jones is a nice leverage play. I think a lot of people are going to be scared off Aaron Jones because of the quarterback switch. And we just know how bad this Chiefs defense is. So I think Aaron Jones could have a really good week. I think if you want to go really thin, you could throw A.J. Dillon in and hope that he gets a couple touchdowns somehow. But I think I would mostly look at Love, either naked or skinny stacked with MVS, or on the Mahomes side, just take your pick with Hill or Kelsey and then maybe throw in some Hardman. And I think one thing to note with Kelsey is that, again, dropping down in salary, he's only 7000 again on DraftKings, 7800 on FanDuel. He's affordable in both platforms. And he's kind of priced like he's starting to lose his ceiling. I don't have any reason to believe that the ceiling Kelsey had early this year and all of last year is gone. I know he had six targets. He went four for 27 last week. But... The three weeks before that, he had 10 or more targets in every game. Travis Kelsey is going to be just fine. The Chiefs are going to be just fine. So I think this is a game where we can play some Chiefs and then play a little bit of Naked Jordan Love. Naked Jordan Love in week nine. I mean, that is the title of the pod, no doubt. And last game, Arizona, San Francisco. What a mess. Cardinals, maybe without Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Debo may not play. George Kittle could be back. Elijah Mitchell is questionable. Just a total wrong answer sound effect. If Matt had it, he could play it here for this game. So exciting, but now looks like everyone's out. Where do we go here, Josh? We want a piece of this. 46 and a half point over under San Francisco favored by one. So I don't think you can play Kyler Murray. We've seen this over and over again. Kyler Murray ceiling games happen when he's mobile. Happens yep. when he can scramble around, when he can see the field better, when he can avoid pressure. Kyler Murray is not the caliber of quarterback that can just remain in the pocket and deliver big performances without his legs at all. So I think Kyler Murray's pretty much off limits, even if he plays, because he's not practicing this week. We know if he does play, he's going to be limited with his rushing ability. And then we both kind of talked about this before we started recording. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's slightly interesting. My concern with Jimmy last week and why I said I don't think you can really play him in DFS and then of course he has a big game it was because Trey Lance was going to be quote-unquote active and what we'd seen before that game was if Lance was active and they're in the and they're they're near the goal line or in the red zone what happens they just Lance comes in and swoops a touchdown they they throw him in there and he's just going to run some type of quarterback option most likely gets the rushing touchdown himself but what did we see last week Jimmy Garoppolo had two rushing touchdowns. And I think that's actually really good for Garoppolo's prospects in DFS. If we know that there is the potential that they'll just keep him in for those goal line packages. Debo unlikely to play. Probably not a guy that I'm looking to target, even if he supposedly suits up. The the Twitter physical therapist community has pretty much decided it's a bad decision if he plays at all. And that if he does, based on his downward trending practice activity the last three weeks that the calf is getting worse, not better. We already saw what happened with Kittle when he kept trying to play through it. So not very interested in Debo, but I do like the idea of a little Jimmy Kittle stack or the Jimmy Brandon Ayuk stack. 
Ayuk finally, once again, showing signs of life. He got all the snaps. He was starting to get some targets. So that's kind of where I would take this one. It would probably be Jimmy with either Kittle or Ayuk. And then just a little simple run back, Chase Edmonds, Rondale Moore, Christian Kirk. AJ Green is out with COVID. Or you could have Zach Ertz if you're if you're playing Ayuk with Jimmy G. So not a game I'm super excited about, but happy to be proven wrong with Jimmy G. It looks like this guy is yet another viable QB in our pool. Josh said it. There is a substantial drop-off. Kyler Murray, when he rushes for at least 25 yards in his career, puts up almost 30 30 PPR fantasy points per game, throws for 274 yards, and not only does he go over 25 yards, he goes way over with 57 rushing yards. However, in the games where he's only rushed for less than 25, he's hung around 12 rushing yards. That drops his points per game nine points overall. He loses 50 passing yards as well, and the Arizona offense suffers as a whole. Don't forget, Arizona offense that is rushing the fifth most of any team in the NFL. Kyler Murray, no rushing, no biscuit. Tyler Murray, no rushing, no biscuit. That was a, that's a good way to go out. That was good. I figured that you could pull up something. I was like, oh, it's this is the perfect contrarian option. No one's playing him, and he has this quote-unquote ankle injury. Or, the, or no, it was last year was the shoulder injury. But it turns out that like if Kyler Murray doesn't feel comfortable running around, it just, it's in his head. It wrecks his entire game. He's a, he's a bad passer. And then obviously he's not getting you the rushing. And that next, you know, you're looking at like this really, it's like a glorified Justin Herbert where it's like the, the barely running quarterback, but then he's not even like necessarily that good at throwing the football. Yeah. I mean, what really coincided with his breakout was them getting Hopkins. Murray just wasn't that good of a quarterback pre Hopkins. Even last year, like he wasn't even that good of a quarterback. This year, he's taken a nice leap, but I mean, it's hard to imagine a quarterback failing when they're at least average talent throwing to Hopkins and AJ Green and Christian Kirk and Rondale Moore. He's just had incredible weapons. So I think now, no Hopkins, most likely, no AJ Green for sure. I mean, Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore, Zach Ertz is not. With a hobbled Kyler Murray, this is just not an attractive angle of the game to target. Houston tight ends. How do people not understand the importance of the information they're getting here? No one has ever used the word crested with Jordan Akins before. That was a, that's a good way to go out.